Oh, welcome everybody to this week's edition of the Blue Mike Podcast. This week coming to you live from the Empire Hotel in Columbus Circle, New York City with Joe Giolioni, your host. Today's special guest is a dear friend of mine, J.P. Dallaire, saxophonist, vocalist, keyboardist, songwriter, currently on tour with Michael Bolton's band. Jason is part of the musical Peterson family of Minneapolis, with many notable affiliations such as Prince, George Benson, Kenny Loggins, the Steve Miller Band, to name a few. Jason will be here live with me today after just finishing a show at the St. George Theater in Staten Island with Michael Bolton. Now sit back and enjoy some music from J.P. Dallaire. This one is entitled True Love. Oh 
I feel so so alive cause when I look into your eyes I see It's true love. What a great vocal performance by J.P. Dallaire. And as promised, J.P.'s here with us today, fresh off the stage at the St. George Theater with Michael Bolton tonight. J.P., it's good to have you, man. Hey, Jojo, how are you, brother? It's good to see you, man. I haven't seen you for a while. Doing well. First, let me say that was an amazing performance tonight. Your sax playing was as good as I've ever heard it. Why, thank you very much. And that song, True Love, man, what an amazing vocal performance. I, I remember you sending me that back in the day, and I said, who is that? And you said, well, I said, is that you on piano, Jay? And you said, no, it's somebody else on piano, but I'm singing the crap out of it, and you were. Thank you. That's, uh, that's me on vocal on that, and a guy, a good friend of mine named David DeLome played the Fender Rhodes on that. Beautiful. And you wrote that with Dave? I did, yes. That's a great tune. And your CD... Um, that first little cut that we played in the intro, that's from your CD. Tell us about that one. That first song uh, was called Last Call, and that was written by myself and Michael Bolton's old bass player, a guy named Skylar Deal, funky dude. We wrote that a while back. So that's from my J.P. Dallaire In My Life CD that I put out a few years ago. And True Love also was on that, that record. So, Jason, uh, as far as your solo career goes, you have anything planned for the near future? Any more uh, stuff to be released? You know, I do. I have probably about 100 tunes in the can right now. Um, I'm just kind of weeding through. I want to I wanna pick the, the right stuff and put the record out and hopefully get some support on this one. The last record I, I did totally independently and it's a little bit tough when you don't have uh, a little bit of more backing with it. So I want people to hear the music, so I'm looking for the right situation so I can get the music out there so the world can hear it. Yeah, we hope to hear it soon, man, sooner than later. Um, earlier we mentioned your family's affiliation with uh, such notable artists as Prince, uh, George Benson, to name a few. Uh, of course, your uncles with Kenny Loggins and, and Steve Miller Band. Um, I know Prince had uh, once called your family the first musical family of Minneapolis. Is that right? That is correct. Prince was very good to my family. Um, I'll tell you a quick story. When I was in high school, well, let me back that up a little bit. My family, the, the musical Peterson family, um, my grandmother, Jeannie Arlen Peterson, was a great piano player and singer, and her husband, Willie Peterson, was a great piano player and band leader. And they used to have, uh, they were on the radio programs, you know, the heyday of radio in the 40s and 50s in Minneapolis. So they, they were really celebrities in town. And then um, all of their kids became professional musicians. I'll tell you a little bit about those guys. Um, my mom is the oldest. Her name's Linda Peterson. Uh, she's a great vocalist, piano player, songwriter. 
she uh, she has had a record deal with RCA Records back in the day, and then she's put out, I believe, five solo CDs to to date. I think her first one she recorded in Copenhagen, Denmark, with some great players, Bobby Rockwell. Uh, my uncle Billy produced it, and uh, the latest couple records. I actually produced one of her records um, with a great guitar player from Argentina named Luis Salinas. Uh, a couple years back, and the most recent record, uh, You Gotta Be Somewhere, I co-produced with my Uncle Billy, and it's all uh, Linda's originals. So Mom is a great songwriter, and she taught me the game quite a bit. Uh, next in line, we have Uncle Billy. Uncle Billy Peterson, he's really uh, one of my main musical mentors in my life, um, and he's also my godfather. Uncle Billy is probably best known for being Steve Miller's uh, bass player for 25 years or more. And uh, he's also um, was the bass player on Bob Dylan's Blood on the Tracks record. So the legacy goes back a long way. Very cool. um, next in line is Aunt Patty, who is an unbelievable vocalist. Uh, she has recorded many uh, jazz albums as well, uh, probably four or five anyway. Her latest one uh, featured Sheila E. and David Hazeltine. I believe Uncle Billy uh, produced that one as well. Um, and I play the keyboards in her band back when I'm off the road with Michael. So I love working with my Aunt Patty. And next is Uncle Ricky Peterson. Oh, I love Uncle Ricky. Um, let me tell that backstory real quick. Um, LeGrand Barr, who um, I was playing with the Little in Palm Springs at uh, Rancho Los Palmas Resort, had said, you have to meet my friend uh, J.P. Delaire. You guys are like, you're like a mini J.P. Your sense of humor, everything. Um, you know, you guys are both soul singers and la, la, la. Anyway, so um, I had a Ricky Peterson album on vinyl. Um, it had that Look Who's Lonely Now and all sure. those tunes. And I just, I fell in love with that sound. That, that was my sound back then. And uh, I had proceeded to get in touch with you on MySpace, of all places. And um, well, back then it was the Cat's Meow, right? Not anymore. But um, I heard you sing, and I was like, wow, the whole family's got it going on. And I found out, you know, that Uncle Ricky was your uncle, and I just said, we got to get together. And then you came into Palm Springs with your dad, and we met, and you came to my house for a pre-Christmas dinner. And I made your dad all the New York favorites. Remember that time? You did. You made us linguine and clams. I remember. And knishes. Yeah. And egg creams. And your dad was in seventh heaven. But back to Uncle Ricky, uh, uh, forward uh, some years later, and Uncle Ricky, I find out, uh, through an acquaintance of mine, Jerry Lopez, um, he was going to be at uh, coming in to sing at the Palms. And I show up that night, and your mom's there, and everybody's there, and he was just amazing. And he's stood as one of my very major influences over the years and uh i'm sorry i had to jump in about that because i just i gush over uncle ricky well yeah why not he's one of the best that's funny i remember that i remember legrand said the same to me about you he said you got to be my buddy jojo leon i'm like okay and then i looked you up and you were doing this doo-wop thing i'm like wow i, I remember playing your music from myspace from my sister vanessa She's like, oh, my God, that dude's killing it. So anyway, 
But as I continue the story, I'll tell you a little bit about how I got into the business. Uh, the last member of, you know, the siblings, my mom's siblings, is Paul Peterson. And Paul was in a movie called Purple Rain. Uh, Paul was the keyboard player with Morris Day in the time. Uh, Prince discovered him when he was young, 17 years old, and invited him to play with the band. And I remember... I was about 15 years old going to North High School in Minneapolis, and I watched that movie, and I said, man, that is what I want to do for my life. That, that was so powerful to me. So eventually I ended up getting the opportunity to work with Prince, and I went on tour with him. Uh, I was with Carmen Electra, who was Prince's girlfriend at the time. I was in her band, and uh, we were invited to go on the Diamonds and Pearls tour with Prince and I was like 22 years old. That was a mind blowing experience because Prince was outside of Stevie Wonder and my own family, like, you know, God in music to me. So I had a chance to work with Prince and go on tour and learn from him. And uh, that was that was a great chapter of my life. I bet that's that's got to be a thrill for any musician. That's the uh, that is the master right there. Um, you think I can coax you to tell that Prince story? You know, the one I love? Uh, not only does it make good for good radio, but I love to hear it again. You know which one I'm talking about, right? I do. I can tell you that one. So we were rehearsing. I think Prince had just fired half of the Carmen Electra band, and we were at John Henry Studios in London. And so he was getting Sonny Thompson and Michael Bland and Levi his rhythm section to play with myself and Morris Hayes because we were the keyboard players for Carmen's band. Uh, he was trying to integrate his rhythm section with us so she could continue her show opening for him. So anyway, Prince is sitting right next to me on a keyboard and w was playing like this part. And I said, I said, no, that's not right. And, and he said, uh, you're going to have to talk to Morris about that. And I said, well, man, I'm talking to you right now. You're sitting right next to me. And it kind of tweaked <laughs> Prince. He said, he, he looked me dead in the eyes. He, he called me over. He said, JP, did you notice some people were missing? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, you don't want to be missing, do you? <laughs> I'm like, no, not really, man. So I said, yo, Morris. Uh, and we worked it out, so it was a funny story. In other words, shut your ass up. <laughs> anyway, uh, JP, I'd like to play another one of your tunes from your CD. Um, and then uh, this song is called Last Call. I love this tune, man. Um, let's play it, and we'll come back and chat some more. How about it? Sounds great. Yo, baby. Bunch of meetings for last call.
Oh yeah, that's Last Call from J.P. Delaire's record, In My Life. J.P.'s here with me live. Uh, just finished up tonight at the St. George Theater, historical St. George Theater in Staten Island, a beautiful theater, uh, with Michael Bolton's band. And um, so, Jay, um, we have another uh, a couple of, of associations uh, in common which are... Uh, Unique from Solo. You played with the group Solo, uh, 90s, 2000s R&B band, who I loved. And I, I met uh, Unique. I used to go to the same places and jam, like uh, Groove and uh, the Village Underground. And then I met him, and he was playing in the subway for a while, and it was like really cool music under New York, the mayor's program. And he is an amazing vocalist. And you turn out that you tell me that you were the musical director for that. And I'm seeing videos of you in Japan with them, and I'm going, wow, man, this is like something. Because I know this guy's in New York, and Jay's in Minneapolis, and we both know the same cat. Yeah, those guys were so fun to tour with. I'll give you a quick backstory about how I got affiliated with Solo. Uh, for those of you who don't know Solo, they had a, a huge song. It was, I got heaven right here on earth. I got heaven right here on earth. I think they went number one, adult contemporary. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, after I left Prince's organization, I went over and worked for Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis for a couple years. And that's how I met Solo. The story of them, like you said, they, they, were, they had like a doo-wop. They were busking basically in the subways singing great old Sam Cooke tunes and stuff like that. So the story I got was Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis were out in New York around Christmas time with their wives doing some shopping and hanging out. And they heard these cats and were blown away. And Terry Lewis puts the business card in the tip jar and said, there's your tip. So the guys called Terry and the rest is history. They got signed to Perspective Records, and they did a couple records with those guys and had some hits, and I was part of that band that they put together to go on tour. We did some great tours. We toured with uh, Biggie Smalls and R. Kelly, LL Cool J. We did some great stuff. Yeah, and I remember uh, at Groove, we used to, um, every time Unique walked in, who was one of the lead singers of Solo, we used to go, oh, the ghost of Sam Cooke is in the building. I mean, he just sounded so much like... I mean, people say, this guy sounds like that guy, but this guy was, like, literally, he, he you know, channeled Sam Cooke. Yeah, no doubt about it. He, he still is an incredible singer. And my other buddies from the band, uh, Dan, uh, Rob Bass, and Darnell, there's some bad dudes, man. I miss those dudes. Um, but... In the not-so-recent past, I've, I've served as their music director. We went to Japan and played the Blue Note over there and done a couple other gigs here and there. So hopefully we'll be able to hook back up. And um, I'm not sure a lot of people realize this, but you have a very, very rich history in, in jazz. I mean, you're, I've heard you play jazz so many times, and it's like that is definitely your strong stuff, man. I love it. I love hearing you play jazz. I know when we played at... Um, the Riviera and uh, and Rancho Los Palmas uh, was me, you, I think, and Chuck Buffamonte, and you were just rip. I'm this. I'm this guy is the real deal, jazz wise. You were like, man, that sax was was hitting. 
that's that's from my family. You know, that's from Grandma Jeannie, Uncle Billy, everybody. My mom, Patty, Paul. Rick. I mean, I learned so much from. I call it the Peterson School of Music, because those guys are so well versed in jazz. I mean, I I do play a little bit of jazz. I probably know a little more jazz on the keyboards, but I love jazz. But I also love R and B. So, I think I think my sound is kind of a cross between the two. Yeah, man, definitely. I mean, I you know I love your sax playing, I love your piano playing, but you know your voice is to me is just flawless. You got to be one of the most soulful baritones I've ever heard, and I I tell that to people all the time, man, and just just tremendous influence too. And you know, a lot of the guys I met over the years have been a real major influence on me. They weren't guys that were in the mainstream, you know, like yourself, Uncle Ricky. You know, uh, uh, Jerry Lopez, Lenny Lopez, these guys, when I first got to Vegas in the early 80s, these guys were right there. They they helped me so much. And Santa Fe, baby. Santa Fe and the Fat City ones. I'm yeah. hoping to have Jerry on in the next couple of weeks here. Hint, hint, Jerry, if you're listening. <laughs> Please tell Jerry I said I love that dude. I certainly will. Um, we're going to play some more of JP's music right now. And this song's entitled Game of Love. JP, you want to tell us something about this tune? This is a single that I put out a couple years ago, and it's uh, it's still up on iTunes. I'm channeling my inner Michael McDonald on this. It's a story of love, uh, young love, and basically you get back what you play for, the game of love. Here you go. Right thing. 
Oh yeah, JP Delaire right there, everybody. Um, Jay, earlier we played the tune True Love. Um, recently, Nathan East released it on a CD. And uh, tell us about that project and how uh, you got involved with Nathan. Well, the, the cat that I wrote True Love with, who's a really great friend of mine, his name is Dave DeLome, he get, got called in to play a session, play a keyboard session while Nathan was recording his new album, Reverence, uh, for Yamaha Music Group. So the story goes, uh, Dave was in the studio playing the song for one of the engineers, um, and the CEO of Yamaha Music Group walks into the studio and, and listens to him and goes, what are we listening to here? And Dave says... Uh, this is just a song that I wrote with a buddy of mine. And the CEO, Chris Jero, he said, run it back to the top. I want to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. And listens to it down one time and says, I love it. Let's cut this on Nathan's record. And for you people who are not uh, non-musicians and maybe don't know, Nathan East was... Uh, one of the world's most recorded bassists, played with everybody, produced all different people, and just one of the best in the world, really. Absolutely. He's worked with Eric Clapton. I mean, anybody. He's, 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 he's the, the baddest bass man in the land, basically. Um, so anyway, it was really an honor. We ended up getting the song recorded on his album, and it's, 
It's called Reverence. And our song was included in the uh, the U.S. release, the U.S. iTunes release of the album, Reverence. And the album went to number one on Billboard. Number one Billboard jazz album. And the girl sang it on that version, right? And the girl sang it, and the girl happens to be uh, another dear friend of mine. Her name is Kenya Hathaway. She is the daughter of the late great Donnie Hathaway. I didn't know. I didn't know Kenya sang on that. Yeah, I, I don't think you mentioned that to me. That's man. I got to go listen again. Yeah, that's Kenya. That's Donnie Hathaway's daughter, and she did such an unbelievable job singing this song. So it's really an honor to uh, hear something that you wrote or co-wrote, uh, produced to the level that Nathan and the guys did this. They, uh, beautiful string arrangement uh, from Londell Black out of Nashville. I, I was blown away the first time I heard this. So so I'm continuing writing, working on different projects. I'm, I'm producing uh, something for my Uncle Paul, co-producing with him. Uh, we're going to put a single out, some of that funky Minneapolis, St. Paul. Um, I'm continuing to work with my uncle Billy on some projects and my uncle Ricky on some projects and we just uh, keep touring with Michael Bolton to make some money and life is good brother uh, what do you got coming up with Michael Bolton they can go to your website and give me that web give them that website again where they can see your schedule okay uh, you can go to www.jpdmusic.com jpdmusic.com and all my tour dates, uh, both solo and with Michael or whatever, are up on the on the site. So check it out. Well, before we leave, I hope I can get some of the other Petersons on the show at some point. You know, some of my idols right there. And um, uh, JP is um, currently touring, as he said, with Michael Bolton. And we're going to play that Nathan East version of True Love. We played JP's version earlier today and um, on the broadcast. And we're going to play the Nathan East version right now on our way out. Jay, thanks for being here, man, and thanks for the tickets for the show. I love you. You're my brother. Love you too, JoJo. Thanks for having me on the program, and uh, continued success, man. Love you, brother. And on the Blue Mike podcast, live from New York City's Empire Hotel on Columbus Circle, this has been my time with my dear friend, J.P. Dallaire. Listen again right now to True Love.
Welcome, everyone, to a very special episode of the Blue Mike Podcast. Broadcasting this week from the Flatiron Building in New York City, I'm your host, Jojo Leone. Today's show is a combination of my self-indulgence and the tribute to no one more deserving than our guest today. He is, in my opinion, as I'm sure is the opinion of many others, is one of the greats in the realm of music, an accomplished guitarist, vocalist, arranger, composer, musical director, amazing team captain. And I have to say, very few have had the impact on breathing inspiration into my musical compass, especially in the way to make the right note choices as a vocalist. And has taught me that it is as extremely important to bring more to the table than you sometimes take away and allow people around you to shine bright as they can instead of drawing focus primarily on yourself. The gentleman I speak of is a longtime acquaintance and to my call, one of the greatest scout leaders that ever existed. Mr. Jerry Lopez will be joining us today via telephone from Las Vegas. In the meantime, Here is Jerry on guitar and vocals with his group Santa Fe and the Fat City Horns. This is entitled, When the Curtain Goes Up. (laughs) 
1976. Santa Fe drove into Vegas town Looking for a gig had our hair grown long You know we were looking kind of scruffy and rough around the edges yes, we were. Didn't know right from wrong but the band was strong The old school cats didn't dig our look And looking at the cover they judged our book They said you guys will never work around here You can't read all those instruments Did you even own a whole when the curtain goes up, you'll see the bullshit stops. Cause when the curtain goes up, the bullshit stops. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Through it all, we've had some fun. Laughs and leave the pats on the back to those other cats wearing hats from the past. We've beat a lot of dudes, put some miles on the shoes. Stage a shark tank and nothing sacred. But when it's all said and done, and the stage lights go on, we put it all away. Cause we know that when the curtain goes up, you'll see the bullshit stops. Cause when the curtain goes up, the bullshit stops. Yes, it does.
Never has a statement rang so true. When the curtain goes up, the bullshit stops. Such eclectic influence on that tune. Uh, Santa Fe has always been great at uh, melding styles together, such as jazz, R&B, funk, uh, Latin, and of course the uh, pop sensibility of uh, Jerry's vocals. Just great stuff. Um, I'm going to play another one right now off of Jerry's Negrita solo record. Um, This is entitled San Diego. Oh 
from the Negrita record that's San Diego well in the 80s when I first arrived with my band in Vegas through a connection with comedian Red Fox I didn't know a soul someone told me that uh, when we finished our set we should run down the street and see this great R&B band and uh, we need to follow them and come hang with them for a while and we did and from that point on, the way I approached everything musically entirely changed. Um, I watched uh, Santa Fe for years, but uh, never was personally introduced to Jerry. And um, through the years, I, I tried to go in and see if I could, uh, you know, track him down and try to catch him in between sets. But I was always playing as well. And... Um, Jerry, a lot of the time, would be out on the road with major artists such as Tom Scott, Bill Champlin, uh, Mark Anthony, Ricky Martin, to name a few. And so, um, one of the artists that Jerry played with um, is one of the first recorded things um, that I heard uh, from Jerry through my friend Danny Toscano. And this song is from uh, Tom Scott's Read My Lips record. Uh, it's a remake of a Jonathan Butler tune entitled Sarah Sarah. Great vocals from Jerry here. Take a listen.
That cut entitled Sarah Sarah from the Tom Scott record Read My Lips. Jerry Lopez on vocals and guitar. And I'm going to play one more before we get on the phone with the man himself. Here's something from Jerry's uh, Santa Fe live CD. Um, It's a song originally done by Ricky Peterson. I just love this version that Jerry did. Uh, This is called Take My Heart Away. Thank you. 
friend on the phone with me, as promised, from Las Vegas, Nevada, band leader, musician, amazing vocalist, Jerry Lopez. Jerry, how are you today, brother? I'm doing fantastic. It's a beautiful, warm day in Las Vegas. <laughs> oh, yeah, rub it in, Jerry. Um, you know, I don't mean to do it, but oh, my God, it was it's so beautiful. I actually got on my motorcycle yesterday and rode out to the lake and spent the night there. It was so beautiful under the stars. Sounds like a great like time. That. Jerry, so yeah. so many people know you outside of the realm of the mainstream that it's crazy. I go places and people go, yeah, you were in Vegas. Do you know Jerry Lopez? I'm like, man, mm. yes. <laughs> so you're a household name mm. without being a household name, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Well, all you got to do is uh, live a long time, you know, hang around one place for a long time and uh, chances are you're going to meet a lot of people. And, and I, I mean, I've been in the uh, music business my whole life and came to Vegas when it was still relatively a small town. And, um, and, and I guess became sort of a center of influence only because I knew a lot of musicians and I met a lot of people. So yeah, that's, that's probably how that happened. Um, let's uh, talk about your early days in Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is where you were born and raised pretty much, right? Yes, born and raised. And um, I left there when I was about 17, 18 years old, but, you know, grew up in a musical family. My grandmother was a songwriter. They're still singing her songs in church and stuff back home. And my grandfather was a, uh, these are both on my mother's side. He was a singer. And my father, a songwriter, and, you know, just musicians all the way back. I'm kind of like a like a carny, you know, grew up in it, born in it, always knew what I was going to do. And um, it was my brothers and I and my father, and yeah, that's, it's, that's what it's always been. Your dad, uh, you the know. patriarch of the Lopez family, um, was a great guy. Uh, he was one of the first yeah. people I met when I arrived in Vegas, um, and he was a, a great inspiration and help to me, and I'm sure as he was to many others. Um, so in in yeah. uh, in Santa Fe, you started in the was considered the Tex-Mex scene. Is that what what the kind? Yeah. Of- well, or, or originally, I mean, my my older brother Gilbert and I, we were when we were little kids, we were making records when we were five and six years old, uh, doing mariachi music you know, traditional Mexican stuff. And, um, and, um, we did that until we were in our early teens. And then we started playing Tex-Mex music, which at that time, what it was, was, uh, traditional Mexican music played with electric instruments, um, with jazz arrangements, kind of a interesting thing. What happened is a lot of the, the young, uh, Chicanos in Texas were going to Berkeley and, uh, you know, Juilliard and, and, and coming back with big, big band backgrounds, coming back to their hometowns and taking the traditional music and infusing it with everything that they had learned. And it became this thing called Tex-Mex music, which we heard in New Mexico and we wanted to emulate. We, you know, we, we were drawn to the, the horns and the big band sound and yet felt like it was, you know, uh, our traditional music, which 
you know, to be honest with you, it's um, growing up in Santa Fe, most of us there are really probably more Spanish and American Indian than Mexican. I had one, uh, one of my grandfathers was from Mexico. The rest of my family are, are European and, uh, and American Indian. But that was the music that was happening then, and we were drawn to it because of the complexity of the horn arrangements and the chordal structures, the harmonic stuff. And, um, you know, we did that until we heard Tower Power and Stevie Wonder, and then everything changed, you know? As it did for so many, huh? Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, being being these uh, Im- impressionable young men and and uh, constantly wanting to grow and, and learn, we uh, we wanted to we wanted to do that. And the, the the funny thing was, well, not really so funny, but um, the better we got, or the more that our music advanced, the more that we changed it, the more intricate our music became. The less the audiences wanted to hear it, because back home they wanted to hear their traditional music the way they know it and love it. They didn't want to hear these young kids, you know, throwing all these jazz funk things into their Spanish polka. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, quite an interesting combo. Um, now, let's, yeah, fo- we, let's we control ourselves. Yeah. Let's forward to uh, uh, you, your family moving to Las Vegas. I know you, you came originally. It was uh, everyone, right? Yeah, we, uh, we actually had one gig. Someone uh, that we knew that lived here, uh, 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 an old New Mexico friend, got us a gig playing one weekend at a um, local Spanish bar to come play our Tex-Mex stuff. And while we were doing that gig, a another club owner, a guy that owned a club in North Vegas, asked us if we'd be the house band at his bar like four nights a week. So we just stayed. We just, we, we, we abandoned our school and work and whatever the heck was going on back in New Mexico. And we just stayed, you know, and that was, I don't know, 73. Yeah. Something like that. 74. You, you Leonard and Gilbert and some other cats, right? We're in that original. Yeah. My my, my father and yeah, my father, my two brothers, Gilbert and Lenny and uh, a cousin and a couple of other guys, you know, and it was just a one big adventure for us. You know, and we had this this old red school bus. It was originally a yellow school bus, like all school buses. But, um, um, you know, back in, in Santa Fe, before we left, we were playing in a strip joint. Did I ever tell you? This? I probably didn't tell you this. No, I, I, I <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, we were, Go ahead. <laughs> we, were playing in a, we were playing in a strip joint, and this one stripper, she paid for us to get our, our, our yellow bus painted red. It was just obnoxious. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we were we would play, and then the girls would strip. It was great, you know. And it was a fantastic uh, education for a bunch of young guys. Were you like six? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was 17, 18 years old, and, you know, I don't know how we got away with everything we got away with, to be honest with you, but Santa Fe was a small town. We knew everybody, the mayor, the governor, the, you know, it's still kind of like that. I still know all those people back home. And, um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. So we, we came to Vegas and, you know, we were playing in some pretty rough places, playing the bars. And, um, and then suddenly we, we, uh, 
I don't know how it happened, but um, this guy came into this bar we were playing in North Vegas, and he said, um, what would you guys think about playing in a, a review on the strip? And we were like, oh my God, that would be a dream, because we used to sneak into the casinos. We'd come from North Vegas to, to the strip, and we would sneak into the casinos, and, and we'd press our nose up against the window, and we'd see bands like, you know, we'd see B.B. King with a full band, in the in the lounge, we'd see Wayne Cochran and the CC Riders. We'd see all these amazing, amazing uh, groups in the lounges. Was Cedro out back then? Out. Was Cedro playing back then? He sure was, man. And, and we would we would come to see them, and it was like a standing ovation every song. <clears throat> you know, we got a real education. I mean, um, even the old timers were still around back then. You know, Sam Butera. And we, Killy Smith, and, uh, you know, we saw all of those guys. So when they asked us if we would like to be in this review, we were like, absolutely. They said, there's only one problem. Do you guys have a problem um, playing behind? Because it's going to be a topless show. Are you guys okay with that? And we were, you know, it's going to be really tough for us, but okay, we'll do it. <laughs> we know somebody's got to go out there and be the band for these topless reviews. We'll do it. <laughs> yeah, they need so, a healing. They need a healing just like everybody else. That's right. So we, you know, so we became this band in a show called the Get Down Show, and you know, it was, it was a, this production was, um, you know, financed by, um, you know, basically by mob guys, you know, and uh, um, they were all very, they loved us. We loved them. They were all really great. And we had a lot of fun. We worked at the Thunderbird and the Hacienda. These are all places that old casinos that are no longer around. And we went with that show to San Francisco. We played uh, the Orpheum Theater and Bimbo's 365. We did a special with Milton Burl. And, you know, that was our, that was our, our, our passage out of doing the Spanish music into just playing uh, R&B and, you know, rock. And, and, you know, when you think about it, it's funny. When you think about what the top 40 was back then, it was amazing music. I mean, there's nothing like that nowadays, you know? Uh, so that's, you know, that, that was our beginning. And then after that, we started, uh, when that show ended, we started playing a local uh, hot spots in in Vegas, and we started building a, a big uh, following, particularly with musicians and with the late night crowd. We kind of re pioneered a late night scene in Vegas, where we would start at midnight and play till five in the morning. I was one of them at the Maxim. Yeah, that's right. Well, what happened prior to the Maxim and any of the casinos that we played, we played these ba these bars, right, and an entertainment director for the Mint Casino saw us and he said, you know what, I'd like you guys to do this in our lounge at the Mint. Um, because they had, you know, they had show bands starting at seven o'clock and playing till midnight, but they were interested in us bringing our circus and starting at midnight and going till five. So um, we started doing that. And uh, it was really cool because those are the hours that all the, you know, all the other entertainers were off. So that's where, that's where really where I met all the, the people in this business that I know 
from playing the late night scene. And eventually everybody came through Vegas, all the big artists and all the musicians. And when they were asked, you know, when, when they would ask, where can we hang out after the show? Well, they'd come see us. And, uh, that was how it started. And then most of them hired you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That that's, you know, we, we built a really good reputation and, you know, um, after a while the, the lounge scene started getting weaker and weaker and stranger and budgets started going down. And, um, we kind of decided that, you know, we, it, it might be time to put it to rest. And, uh, so, um, you know, I, I went out with, uh, Tom Scott. I started touring with Tom Scott and recording with him. At the same time, I still kept Santa Fe, the band together. I would just have a sub and, um, you know, I'd go off and do those tours or whatever and come back. And, and, uh, that just kept getting weaker and weaker. We finally just put the whole thing to bed and Lenny and my brother went out and toured with Luis Miguel and I did the Tom Scott stuff and I went on tour with Bill Champlin and um, did some other stuff and and uh, you know then I worked around here when I wasn't touring with them and I I, I worked with uh, Bill Champ I mean with uh, Clint Holmes and I uh, worked with some other artists here you know on the strip and then I uh I got called about an audition for the Ricky Martin Live and Love You the Loca tour. And that was kind of cool. So so I flew down to Miami and I auditioned for that and I uh and I stayed. I got the gig and I stayed. Well, I remember I I had watched you guys for several years uh in the late 80s. And then I think right. it was 89 or 90, you were playing somewhere, and I can't remember if it was the Desert Inn or someplace, and I, I think mm-hmm. I walked in, and I, I met your father before I actually uh, was personally introduced to you by your dad, and I gave him a demo tape, and you were so gracious to call me the next day with compliments. And, and then and then I remember, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, uh, that, that first night I went in to meet you, you were subbing it out. Uh, you were somewhere. I don't know wh- who you were with at that mm-hmm. time. About ninety, who would who would that have been? I don't know, but um, mm. you subbed it I don't out. Know. And, might have, might have been. Yeah. And then I and then I came back and you you were back in and I heard you and I was like, oh my god, that's uh, that's the only voice I want to listen to for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. It's the bootleg tapes of you, by the way. I think I told you that. Yeah, thank you, and that's that's cool that you met Dad. You know, Dad. Uh, my dad had a good ear. My dad was my, my, uh, that guy helped me produce until, till the day that he couldn't anymore. You know, he was my best critic and he had great ears. He was, um, yeah, he, he could spot talent. He could hear it. He knew, um, he knew when to tell me to back off, you know, when I was getting a little too, you know, artsy fartsy or too musical with something. And, yeah, you know, so that's cool that you got to meet him and hang with him a little bit. I did. I hung with him over the years. Anytime I'd see him, he was so gracious and, and uh, inspiring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always great words yeah. to say and, and um, you know, meaningful words, not just some BS that somebody's throwing right. at you. You can tell it was coming from his heart and he was really trying to help you. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, yeah. that was a very, very um, 
you know, inspiring time, you know, uh, talks with him and, and also talks with Gilbert. I actually got to do a gig with Gilbert and Johnny Gonzalez at the lift. Uh, we both got oh, the sub okay. at the same time and I got to play with Gilbert, which was like, I'm like, oh, uh, so this is who Jerry keeps talking about. And, uh, he kept yeah. turning to me and going, don't worry about what we're doing. Just go ahead and sing, go ahead and sing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And then I ended up taking Johnny Gonzalez on the road with me for a while. Who was your one of your original drummers, right? Yeah, he was. He was. He played with us for a long time. Yeah. And of course, Johnny passed, and Gilbert passed, and your dad has passed in the, yep. in the recent years. And we're still here. We're still here, Jerry. And um, right. so, you know, I, I always speak to Bill Champlin about you and, and Will. I had Will as my duo partner in, in Palm Springs for like a year at a residency. Mm. And, and um, those guys, they just love you. I mean, and so, and as well as the Petersons, I just did an interview with uh, Jason Delaire, who's one oh, of our best, we became best friends. And then, man, and Ricky Peterson was always a hero of mine. And then I meet his nephew out of some happenstance through someone else. And, and here it is, his uncle is Ricky Peterson. And and it, I got to hear him live for the first time on your stage at the Palms. He, he happened to be there a night when I was in town. And I had called you and wow. said, Ricky Peterson's coming in. I was like, what? <laughs> so it's it all it all yeah, connects in some, a, it all connects in some what way, a man. Talented family. Yeah, it does. What a talented family. The first time I met Jason, I knew Ricky already. But um I, it was funny cuz I I went with Tom Scott to do a gig in Minneapolis. Um and um there was there was a band on before us and we got there like you know, 30 minutes before we were supposed to hit the stage. So that band before us was still playing. And as I walked in, I heard this voice. And there was this guy on stage playing the saxophone and singing his butt off. And I went, man, that voice, you know. And so as they were coming off, I looked at him and I said, you know what? You sound, you sound very similar to it. He goes, I know my uncle Ricky. I said, oh, no, no wonder. I get it. I see what's going on here. And um, so, you know, Jason and I became friends. And uh, actually, I'm friends with the entire family. I mean, uh, they're all so not just wonderfully gifted people, but they're all just down-to-earth, beautiful, beautiful souls. The whole Peterson clan, love them all. Yeah, Jason, I had him on some gigs with me and... um in uh, Palm Springs, I put him on with me just when he when he was off, you know. And I was friends with his uh, his mom too, Linda, who plays a love of Palm Springs. Yeah, I love her. And and um, it's so funny how how we met. I, a guy named Legrand Barr uh, said, "Hey man, I know a guy who's like a mini you. He looks like a small version of you with the same hat, you know, has that soulful <laughs> voice." And he hooked us up. And then I find out he played with you in like a Donnie and Maria something. Was that right? Yeah. 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 Um, I, uh, Paul Peterson was the musical director with Donnie Osmond and, um, he got me on the gig with Donnie and, um, that was cool, you know, and that turned into a lot of cool stuff because, uh, later, uh, when Donnie and Marie opened their show here at the Flamingo, um, they called me to, to put the band together for them, you know? And at the time I was, I think I was working with Wayne Brady or I was, I forget what I was doing, but I couldn't, 
do the gig with Donnie, but I but I put I contracted and put the whole band together for him, and they're still there. They're still doing it, you know. And Donnie and I stay in touch, and it, it's a great show. But that's all through my connections with the Petersons. Now we spoke about Santa Fe's uh, early uh, uh, lineup, which was just a basic five piece. And then right. sometimes Lenny Leonard would be there on congas and you would be a six piece. But Len, Leonard mm-hmm. was kind of in and out too for a while. And I remember um, at that point uh, you were at the Stardust and the Aladdin and those places. And I remember mm-hmm. and I remember those times. And then now let's talk about let's forward it to when you decided to put the horn version together. OK, so so here's what happened. I was the musical director for. Uh, a Mexican artist. And, um, I was, I put a, a, a Las Vegas band together to work with this Mexican artist. And, you know, they had me and some of the other guys on retainer, which was very cool. So, um, we were in a van somewhere in, I don't know, it might've been Florida somewhere. And we were riding in the middle of nowhere to this, venue and and we were listening to earth wind and fire and some great stuff and one of the guys in the band said you know why don't we why don't we put a band together and do this right because at this point santa fe wasn't wasn't working anymore we had canceled all our lounge stuff we didn't do that anymore we were all working with other artists and uh you know the first thing is we we came up with you know it was, originally it was you know no way you know how could we, how could we, we could, we couldn't even survive doing a, a five piece band anymore in the lounges the way it was, you know, and, you know, no one would book us, where would we play? So all the negatives came out, but we kept listening and kept talking and started dreaming and saying, okay, so if we did do this, what would be the instrumentation that we would use where we could play all the music we love and, you know, and so we just started putting this wish list, this kind of like dream list of what what the fi- configuration would be and maybe the kind of music we play. And finally, I, I, I decided, I said, you know what? Let's do this and let's forget about all the no's. Let's forget about the all the negative parts of this. Let's do this because this is what we all really love doing. We're we're all making a living in the business working behind other artists, but let's do something for ourselves. And so, um, I contacted all those people we had, you know, thought would make great, uh, members of this unit. And, and, and of course they were all skeptical and, you know, cause there, a lot of them were mercenary musicians, you know, and, and I told them, look, just trust me, here's how we're going to do this. Each guy bring an arrangement of a song they love that they've never been able to get away with playing anywhere else. And, you know, at the time there was 12 or 13 guys. And I said, if we each bring in one song, we've got a show. So it took several months of, of working out people's schedules. And we, we did one rehearsal and, um, there was magic in that rehearsal. We, we played and, and sang and, and did these songs that we all loved. And, um, it, it was magic. And so I knew this was going to be really cool. And um, so the next thing I did is I contacted uh, Judy Alberti, who was the entertainment director for the station casinos. And 
we'd had a really good relationship over the years. My band had played there. And so I called her and I said, look, I'm putting this like dream band together and I'm trying to find a place where we could play. And we only want to play one night a week. And she says, well, you know, we really couldn't afford it. I said, well, look, let's do this. You tell me what your dark night is. And I said, Mondays work great for us. She goes, yeah, we're dark on Mondays in this room and this room and this room. And I said, okay, look, I'll come in. We'll play for free for two Monday nights at the Palace Station because they had a big enough stage. They had good lights and decent sound system. I said, if if we pack the room, then, you know, maybe we could talk about it, some money so that we could pay a backline company to move all our gear in and out because we're all running in from different shows. And, um, it, you know, the word got out that we were building this band and, uh, the first night we played, there was a line, you know, all, you know, all the way out, it was standing room only. And that's, that's how we started it. We just dreamed it up and made it happen. And we've been doing it ever since. Yeah. And I remember one time, uh, I, I was, I was scared out of my wits. Lenny calls me, I think it was like the night before. And says, Joe, oh, that's right. I can't make the gig at the Palace Station. Do you want to jump in and just wing it? I said, how do you wing Santa Fe and the Fat City Horns? At that point, I knew he was out of his mind. Hands me, yeah. hands me a cassette tape, which I think I still have, of him singing mm-hmm. parts in his basement or wherever he was with his kids yelling in the background. And I go, how am I supposed to even come close to this by tomorrow <laughs> night <laughs> i was so frightened when i got up there it was like it was like somebody who started playing yesterday i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna ralph cramden you know if i if, <laughs> if i remember correctly you did a pretty darn good job man yeah i don't you remember know, that but um okay. <laughs> i know i know uh i remember and, it, and it's funny uh, to the palace station i that's where i first met leonard you were out doing something else and i had never met leonard because he was hardly ever there when for a while, he right. was in and out, and then um, mm-hmm. I, I, you had Anthony Jordan was just singing up front, right? Right, That's right. for a while, and then uh, yep. and then he said, "Oh, my brother Leonard is going to be back." And then he, I see I, Danny Toscano took me to see uh, Leonard's version of Santa Fe without you at, the, and he was just mm-hmm. singing Brian McKnight and stuff, singing his butt off, man. Just I was like, right. wow, it it's it's unbelievable the talent that runs through this family. Anyway, Joe, let's hey, talk. Funny, mentioned Danny. I just saw Danny Monday night. Yeah, I try to see way. him every time I come in. He's a good guy, Danny. He's a, he's a, he's a good soul. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. Like, like you uh, getting that tape from Lenny and and uh, and and kind of being afraid. Here's what here's what happens. The reason that this band is as good as it is, and I say that humbly, but seriously. The reason it is, is because all of us have so much respect for each other and for the music that none of us calls it in. We don't, we don't take this lightly or take it for granted. Um, and, and I know you didn't either. We're all, we all respect each other too much to get on that stage with anything less than our A game. And, um, you know, that's what you did that time. And that's what I do every Monday. I, I, uh, I, I, every Monday I have to sit here and go through all that music to make sure that, that, you know, my knife is as sharp as it can be when I hit the stage with those guys. Yeah. And you, you guys are now back at the Palms. I know you had a little, uh, time away from there. You were at 
I, I believe it was the Tropicana for a little bit. Yeah. And then you and went, we to went to the, the South, South Point right, for a while. Showroom. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and now- so the, the station, yeah, the station casinos purchased the palms, and once again, you know, the station casinos are the ones that gave me gave us our first gig at the Palace Station, and so now we're we're back with them, you know, at 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 our favorite place to play, which is the Palms. It's just a wonderful, cool little intimate room, and um, we initially installed the sound system in there, and so it's kind of it's designed for what we do. So you're still in the ten thirty slot. Ten thirty, and then it's a, is, is it an hour long, hour and a half? What kind of how long is the show? Hour and a half. Hour and a half. 90, 90 minutes of a roller coaster ride of music. A roller coaster ride and just amazing sound in that room. I love the sound mm-hmm. in that room. Yeah, well, that's like I say, that's a sound system that we originally put in there, and we use our own front of house guy, and you know, the whole. The whole experience is designed to make sure that people have, like, the best time musically that we can possibly offer. You know, like, like uh, that's my whole goal. We're not, you know, we're not getting rich playing one night a week for 90 minutes in a casino. We, we all make our living, you know. I mean, uh, uh, wonderful opportunities have, have opened to all of us because of what we do with Santa Fe and the Fat Horns. But our main thing on Monday nights is to bring the, the greatest experience we can to the people that come and see us. Well, Jerry, I got to tell you, um, I'm not trying to blow smoke, but I got to tell you, you've been an inspiration to so many musicians, not only in Las Vegas, but I've been other places around the world and, and have heard your name and people say, oh, do you know? And I'm like, yeah, for a long time. And um and, you know, you just help so many people, too. I remember, you know, you, you recommended me for gigs. Uh, I got the gig with Diane Diaz from you, hung in there for a while with her. And then and then a, a, another group had called me for you and uh, Jamie. Who, uh, in fact, Jamie, who plays with you now. Funny quick story about Jamie. Uh, I don't want to be winded, but um, Jamie I knew from the circuit back on the East Coast. We worked for the same agency, John Sansone. Our bands used to mm-hmm. follow each other in or out of these hotels, Adams, Marks, and Marriott's. And he had a great right. band back then. And, and um, I had a really good show band, R&B band. And um, I was actually playing drums at the time. And uh, and Jamie, I told him at one point, I had already been coming back and forth to Vegas. Um, I originally got to Vegas through actually my guitar player's dad and Red Fox grew up together. So he brought us to the Sahara in the lounge while he was in the showroom. Mm-hmm. So uh, I told Jamie... You, there's a guy in Vegas you got to hear because you and guy you guys sound a lot alike. It's just it's chilling sometimes when you do certain things. It's it's almost like you have the same inflections, the same ideas, the same phrasing. And that was, I was talking about you and forward. He mm-hmm. comes to Vegas with his band and starts playing, and here you are, and he's like uh, an integral part of Santa Fe now. <laughs> he is, and um, he's 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 even more than that because. I, I auditioned Jamie um, to be the uh, keyboard, one of the keyboard guys in a show that I was a musical director of called Storm at Mandalay Bay. It was a multi-million dollar production that, that was produced by Ricky Martin's management and Mandalay Bay. And it happened right off, uh, right after I got off the tour with Ricky on the Live and Love You the Loca. And I auditioned Jamie and he, and he was, he was awesome. He was perfect. And so during that 
show, there were a lot of times, there was a lot of really hard work that had to get done, and, and he proved himself to be uh, a really, really hard worker, stand-up guy, go the extra mile, always with a great attitude. His talent was 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 uh, you know obvious, and he was constantly learning more and blossoming, and and um, so he he became my right hand man. He he really did, and and uh, in fact, Jamie and I um, have been partners in a production company for over ten years, and um, our main our main gig is we uh, produce music for television for. Uh, specifically for infomercials, and uh, Jamie is, um, uh, like I say, he's my he's he's the yin to my yang. He really is. He's just a amazing guy. Uh, uh, vocally, he's he's awesome. He writes great. He plays great. I, I can't say enough about him. And uh, an I'm, amazing I'm human being. <laughs> honored. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm. I really. Uh, you know, I tell people my. Uh, I've surrounded myself. I've made it a point to surround myself with wonderful people, with people who are uh, problem solvers, people who create solutions. And, um, you know, that, that I guess, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, God gave me a gift, you know, and, and I've worked really hard at, at my singing and playing and stuff. But I, I'll be honest with you. If, if there's a gift that I have, I think it's more the ability to, infect others with my enthusiasm for a project. And so bringing together a band like Santa Fe and the Fat City Horns or, or uh, the projects that Jamie and I have worked on together, we've done a lot of shows and, and done a lot of production music for big shows here in town and, and in New Orleans and in a lot of places. And that's really my, my thing is surrounding pe- myself with people that are more talented than I am. And, uh, you know, letting them shine seriously. So there you go. There's my, there's my Jamie Hosmer pitch. Yeah. And your boy, Jamie tried to hand me a CD uh, to come and sub one night for the storm show. And I, I pretty much, uh, I, I was smart enough not to accept that thing. <laughs> <laughs> that was a tough one, man. That was, Oh boy. But you know what? Here's, here's the best thing. I tell people that show ran for a year, but the, best part that came out of that was that the budget was really good and they gave me a budget for the band that allowed me to surround myself with people I wanted to be with. So I had Jamie and all those people are still with me. Jamie Osmer. I, I brought uh, Pepe Jimenez from Puerto Rico uh, on drums and and, and, you know, he's still playing with the band. He was out with Carlos Santana for the last couple of years, still with me. He's here in Vegas. Uh, the horn section, Danny Falcone, who I had, I lured away from the Tom Jones band to do Storm. Nathan Tenoy, who has gone on to write most of our horn, a lot of our horn arrangements, and who teaches uh, jazz improvisation and is, uh, you know, the head of the uh, jazz orchestra at UNLV. Um, all of these, all of these guys are still, you know, the other guitar player in the band Mundo, he married my wife's twin sister and, you know, we're like family. So, so the best thing that came out of that show was they gave me the money to put my favorite people on the payroll and surround myself with them. And we're all still together. 
you know. That's an incredible situation to have. It is. And another so singer, I, I have a singer I love that you had in Santa Fe for a long time was Ken Gold. What happened to him? Oh, my God, Ken Gold. I think he moved back to New England somewhere, I think is where he's at. Him and his wife, Roberta, he's a wonderful producer, singer, player, and yeah, he moved. He moved out of Vegas. He moved back back east, and um, um, you know, once in a while he pops into Vegas, and I see him. But yeah, another one of the very, very many you know talented people that you know I've had the opportunity to work with here. It goes to show my buddy Jerry that you um, are not afraid to bring amazing singers on the stage with you. You're so confident and humble that you give the best guys a chance to shine. I always say, how do you learn or be inspired from somebody who sucks? <laughs> you know, I want the best guys yeah. blowing me away up there, kicking me in the ass going, hey, come on, guy, keep up. You know, that's what I want. That's right. That's, that's right. That is a, what you just said right there is one of the most valuable lessons that a young uh, musician, singer, artist can learn. Um, people always tell me, man, you know, you, you, you're not greedy with a mic or with a spotlight or any of that. I tell people, look, here's what's up. I am in the business of lighting people's candles, okay? If I light your candle, it doesn't dim my light. It makes the room brighter. And so so by me doing this with other artists and surrounding myself with people who are brilliant and who have got a lot to, you know, who shine, it doesn't take anything from me. I'm super confident in what I do and I'll be the first one to go look I'm not uh, virtuoso in in any of what I do I'm I'm I have a thumbprint I have a signature of what I do but I love to share the spotlight and to to you know let others shine it just like I said just lights the room up and um, a lot of people could learn really I learned that from some of the some of my mentors okay and that's a wonderful lesson for any young band leader or musician to know to learn. And what's so true about Santa Fe uh, and its current lineup is I know I know most of those guys personally, and you know Tony and I, I played in a band with Lanny, and you know of course I know your brother when he's in, and all those guys are the same. They they are very generous with the mic. They they have no hater hangups. They're just really just amazing people as well as musicians. Yeah, that's the that's the main criteria for being part of our our family at a certain level um, the the music is expected and the most important part for us is the hang the most important thing for us is the vibe is the spirit and I think that's what makes uh, our music special I think when people come to our live shows uh, the one thing I hear over and over and over again is well we can just really tell how much you guys love each other and how much fun you're having. And that's the truth. I, you know, I call it the, our healings on Monday night and I get healed every Monday night. Just being with those guys, being able to make music with them, look around and smile and, 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 and make music with people I love. My God, it, it just couldn't be any better. You know, it's such a blessing. Well, just so you know, uh, as if I haven't told you before, I hold you as high on a pedestal as any vocalist that I've ever crossed paths with in my life. You were a major inspiration on my voice, 
uh, and and my my everything about the way I sing, my phrasing, the warmth of your voice is just incredible. And Jerry, you know I love you, man. I love you and your family. And um, thank you. I'm glad I love you got you to be too, here man. with me. This is gonna this is gonna blow up. I have some big things going on for this. It might be sold. So uh, um, I'm just gonna give you great. a little hint. Well, con- congratulations, man. And uh, you know it's always great talking to you. And and uh, you've always been part of my heart's neighborhood too, my brother. Well, Jerry, you have a great day. I'm going to play some more music from Jerry Lopez. I played some Santa Fe in the beginning. Jerry, thank you so much for being here, and I hope I hope to get right. Lenny on soon. Yeah, you have a ball with him. He's a <laughs> he's a you know you know Lenny man. Yeah, and just like a, Jason and he Peterson. Everything. Just like Jason Peterson, when we're together, Lenny and I, the laughter doesn't stop. Jason is a very funny guy, as is Lenny. And anytime I'm together I with know. those cats, man, I, I, my stomach bursts open from laughter. I. That's the way it is with me, I, and I, I, I'm even trying not to laugh with Lenny. I, I'm like, don't, I, I don't want to encourage him, you know, and I can't help it. But you know, he always gets me, and I'm, I'm belly laughing by the end of my, you know, contact with him. Yeah, that's a good idea. Do Lenny. I, I will. I, I have plans for you too, Jamie, if you're listening. Um, all right, Jerry, <laughs> I won't keep you any longer. Thank you for being on the Blue Mike Podcast. All right, brother. We're here in New York City every week, ladies and gentlemen. More coming. The amazing Jerry Lopez. Thanks, Jer. Okay. Have a great day. Bye. The amazing Jerry Lopez. What an honor and a privilege it was to have him with us today. I'm going to play something right now from Santa Fe and the Fat City Horns. Cite Vas, Jerry on vocals and guitars. ser tu todo quisiera ser tu siempre quisiera ser tu mundo quisiera ser perenne sin más te alejas de mi vida y el dolor me abraza Sabes bien, tu presencia viste mi alma de felicidad Pero si te Pero si te vas, la nada quedará Y si tú te vas, me burlará el destino Aborrecería el vacío Entre mentir y verdad, existe Yeah, 
desnudo Un corazón vacío Sueños de ayer perdidos Te burlaré entre las calles Mientras la soledad me abraza Y sabes bien, tu presencia viste mi alma
Tite Vas. Jerry Lopez with Santa Fe and the Fat City Horns. I hope your vocalists had your notepads out on that one because that is the true meaning of having full control of that human instrument. The voice of an angel, Jerry Lopez. Well, I'm going to play one more tune from Santa Fe and the Fat City Horns. This is a, a tune penned by Michael Ruff, another one of my favorite artists. Um, this is Jerry on guitar and vocals with Santa Fe. This is entitled Wishing Well on another edition of the Blue Mike Podcast.
smoke coming out of my studio monitors on that one that's what you call killing it well i want to thank jerry again for being here and i got plenty of great guests coming up in the next few weeks here on the blue mic podcast broadcast every week from new york city my goal of this show is nothing more than to bring you inspiration through introducing you to artists which you might uh, not have heard. Thank you for hanging out with me from the Flatiron Building in New York City. This is Jojo Leone. Till next time on the Blue Mike Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Blue Mike Podcast, recorded live in New York City. Today, we're in Soho, south of Houston Street. I am extremely excited about today's guest with 16 number one dance hits, 22 top five Billboard dance hits, Billboard magazine number three greatest dance artist of the decade. Billboard Magazine 2016 8th Greatest Dance Artist of All Time. And I'm talking about my friend, Christine W. She'll be with us via telephone from Las Vegas. I'm going to be playing some of my favorite tunes from Christine. I'm going to have some great conversation. Stick around, but in the meantime... Here's one of my favorite Christine W. songs entitled Walk Away. Like I do. 
That's Christine W. with Walk Away, one of my favorite Christine W. songs. Well, before we have Christine uh, via telephone from Las Vegas, I'm going to play one more of my favorite Christine W. songs. It's called Love is the Look. Oh, 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 
as promised on the phone with me on the Blue Mike podcast, the great Christine W. Christine, how are you today? Good, baby. How are you, Jojo? Great, great. Enjoying the weather there in Good Vegas, I'm sure. Oh, we got some nice sunshine today. It's fabulous. Now, Christine, I know you got your humble beginnings at the Hilton in Las Vegas. I remember they used to have that little lounge um, where I first saw you. I used to come and see you all the time with your band. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. I started out doing G's uh, in the, the old lounge. I started out doing like five 45-minute shows a night. It was absolutely <laughs> – I was going to UNLV. Uh, I was going to college and, and doing – you know that many shows a night and it was it was so hard it was just you had to really be a soldier you know and then gradually I got a, a following you know like a really big following and you know it, the more popular you got the less shows that you had to do so it was, you know because you were selling enough cocktails that they're like oh you only had to do like you know three shows now you know what I mean right and then finally it was like I did two you know 90 minute shows a night at you know at um you know before they just sold. I think they sold. Uh, they sold into Weston or something like that. And we we had hit records, and we even we moved over to MGM. That's right. We moved over to the MGM and did uh, a couple of years at Studio Fifty Four, which was a total blast. But then we started touring with the songs because the dance started getting a lot of dance hits. So started touring uh, clubs and doing events and things like that. So yeah, but boy, you you know you learn a lot because you're performing six nights a week and. You know, when you first started out here, you had to do so many shows a night. It was like, you know, like I said, five forty-five minutes shows a night. You know, you got a fifteen-minute break, and you know, you get you you get real good real fast, or you get fired. Yeah, I I, I remember right? I remember you were one of the first acts I seen in Las Vegas, and you had this killer band, and it was at that time in that little lounge, I think it was, with that little railing that led up to the. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, at the Las Vegas Open. Yeah, um, it was a small was, lounge. That was the room that, yeah, that was the, the more the, the lounge. It was like um, like 200-seater, like a 200-seater. And then they, they bulldozed that, and they did a 500-seater. So we did two shows a night in the 500-seater. It's got a, a night. They, they built it for me. It was called the Nightclub. And uh, it uh, had, you know, two, two stories. And it's still there. I think they call it something else now but um it's that's a great room a really great room and i got to be part of designing it so that was fun and then when you were there i remember i remember that's when prescott was with you and and uh from brian mcknight's band yeah 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 so a lot of a lot of really amazing talent uh you know came came through uh that show it was called christine w come see the music and we had um geez we had five musicians three backup singers Six dancers. We had a stage manager. And a, yeah, it was a great, know, great show. It was quite a production, and you know there was really no special effects. It was just pure talent. It was just like insane dancers, and you know we had costuming, but you know we didn't have a lot of money to do like you know Cirque du Soleil costuming, you know, <laughs> sure. like expensive costuming. It was just basically just raw, amazing. Yeah, when talent. I first when I first watched dancers. it was Christine W and the Sting, wasn't it? That was the first, that was my first, that was my college band. Mm-hmm. Right, and then you had that, that was at the build at the Hilton for a while, wasn't it? Well, that was in the, that's what it was in the, in the, in the smaller room. And yeah, yeah. And it went to the big room, it was Christine W. And, and uh, Christine W, come see the music. Because it was like a live music video. We would do, the, we would do 
like my dance hits and then we would do uh the current hits and we would do our own interpretation of them and we do different remixes you know and for those of you who live in a cave christina is uh, one of the top dance artists of all time and um, we're number eight do you believe it number Number eight eight, i saw that dance artist that was crazy right yes that's amazing and it's 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 well deserved my friend we're just soldiered. We just soldiered right on, didn't we? Just keep soldiering on and uh, doing doing what you love. And then, yeah, I cried my eyes out when I they, that was a like a couple that was like last month, wasn't it? That Billboard named that. I think it was last month or it was just recently. And I just like I don't know. I just like it was just like dawned on me like all the work like hit me like okay, gosh, you know, all the all the shows, all the songs I've written, all the people I've worked with, just everything, it just like, was overwhelming. It was, it was just one of those milestone uh, epiphany uh, moments. And then when Donna Summer was like the number six, she was my idol and she inspired me to to do dance music and, and you know, just all of it just really hit me. So I, was, I spent the whole day just like, you know, like crying the whole day it was crazy <laughs> it's quite it's quite an achievement and i although yeah. i knew that i knew the musicians in your band i really didn't know you back then so let's let's tell them this story i was in palm springs and i was playing at a place called oscars outside and christina was having christine i keep calling you christina christine was having dinner with her son inside and uh-huh. and uh, she came out and says hey can i can i sing a song and i said yeah and then the song was over and she goes, I, she said, what's your, I said, what's your name? And she said, Christine W. I said, I said, oh my God, I know you. <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> my hair is blonde now, I, right? I, you don't know me, but I used to watch you constantly. I'd go to that lounge to watch your band. And I was with Diane Diaz at one point, you know, when you were in the, probably in the big room. And then um, I yeah. knew everybody in your band, you know, Tommy Cameron and, and who I had on the road with me for a while and, um, and, and Prescott and those guys. Amazing. Yeah, I know. Oh, was... yeah, those guys are stellar musicians. Did you have Nate okay. Nate with you at one point, too, or no? Um, Which one? Nate. 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 I'm sure. Wigfield, I'm I think sure his he Was he a bass player or a guitar player? Guitar player. I know him and Prescott were both with Brian McKnight for a while, and I thought he was with you, but I guess I'm wrong. But I remember there was a he guitar did. player. Was there a guitar player after Tommy? Was his name Ricky? Uh, Ricky Rohr was before Tommy. Oh, before um, Tommy. You no, know, Tommy. Tommy stayed with us and until I think he stayed with us through the Hilton, and then we had another fellow over at Studio Fifty Four. Mm, it'll dawn on me. It'll it'll hit me. Long, <laughs> well, long story short, long story short was I I I, go, I can't I couldn't believe it was you. I was so excited. I was telling everybody, I know her. I know I used to see her all the time, and now she's a huge dance star. And and um and then I ended up playing a gig with you at the museum. Uh, yeah, we, I was in town to do uh, I was in town to do a show, and uh, over at the gosh, that amazing, oh, like amazing uh, hotel, gorgeous hotel there, and um, I've done done a lot of shows in Palm Springs, which is it's such a fun place. I, I just adore it. And uh, yeah, my son and I were eating there, and he goes, "I dare you to go up and see with that guitar player." And I was like, "I just love his voice; it's so cool." And and and. Uh, and he, I was like, you dare me? And then, that's when I went up there and started harmonizing with you. That was great. That I was could, fun. And when you told me your name afterwards, I, I almost hit the roof. I was like, you're kidding. <laughs> it was like that part in Elf where he goes, Santa, I know him. <laughs> you know? 
Yeah, we did Ain't Nobody, remember? And yes. there was like, what is happening? We got quite a crowd going there. It was awesome. So to get back on track, Christine, what do you got going on? Um, you got a new a new one out, right? Yeah, I've got I've got um the first single from the album that's going to be coming out this summer is called Out There, and it was released um it was released about six months ago, but the, it just keeps growing arms and legs. It uh, it went to number two on the Billboard dance charts, and then uh, it another remixer uh, remixed it, Kenny Hectic and David Penn over in London, and now it's climbing up the British dance charts. And so it's a top ten record now in basically the United Kingdom, which is like Wales and Ireland and in London and so it's it just it's so interesting and everybody's done music videos on it there's there's quite a few different versions of music videos you can go to my Christina View YouTube channel and watch all the amazing music videos that have been edited and re-edited to the different remixes to the song but it's just it's been a it's a great message you know walking away from all I've known it's about you know big transitions in your life and it's got to be out there you know your 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 purpose your destiny and and it's got to be out there somewhere. It's, you know, it kind of taps on your spiritual destiny, your your romantic destiny, maybe your um, your purpose and your real purpose in life. And it's, it's a it's a cool message. So it's it just keeps going and going, which is really cool. And then we we've got a, a new um, a new uh, single coming from the album, and uh, we may even shoot some of the footage in Palm Springs there um so I, I love palm springs it's just a magical place there's something about it my love and i met you there so see yep it happens there. yep even though i i knew of you for years and i i still go out there every couple of months and um do a few gigs and it's still like my home oh, it's fun. yeah it's a great place Aww. so are, are you going to be uh um uh doing any shows to support this this record um yeah, right now we're in the studio. I've, I'm working with a producer called Three Jack in London. So we're, we've got um, kind of one and a half songs left before I've got to finish the one that we keep rewriting. And then we've got one other. And then uh, we should be able to get it out. Memorial Day weekend is the goal. And they drop the single before that. I'll be at the Winter Music <clears throat> the Winter Music comp- Conference in Miami just talking about the album and um, possibly doing a couple showcases and getting a reaction from some of the, the songs, which is always fun. Just you know, just to come out and do a song and just see what the initial reaction is. I like to do that. I always have done that. Uh, even in Vegas, I would try out new material on the audiences, just because you can kind of tell if a record's gonna 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 make it. You know, if if it translates on a live audience. You know, it's there's nothing like a live audience to get an immediate reactions uh i've always been really keen on that so um yeah so that we're going to shoot the music video for the the next single i believe in palm springs and some of the footage some of it here i'll be in connecticut uh for the 40th anniversary of a, a really popular club there called the shea uh, so i'll be in hartford connecticut on <clears throat> april april 8th but i'll be in miami in a, in a couple weeks and uh are you playing some clubs down there? I'm definitely going to be at the iHeartRadio party. I'll be at the Nexus Radio party. They're big supporters of our music, uh, both those stations. Uh, KTU in New York. Uh, those, I love those guys. So they're they're throwing a party there, and so I'll be I'll be popping and singing at a bunch of these things just to get some feedback, you know. 
when did when did you realize that you were doing so great in the clubs? Uh, you know, you're coming from the from the Vegas scene, and did you have one particular hit that pushed you over the top, and then you were like, "Wow, this is really blowing well, up." I, I was um, I was going back and forth from between London. I was living in Islington, and I was living in Vegas basically, and I would go back and forth. I would take like two weeks off. Um, with, and let, you know, the band would go do other gigs and the musicians, I'd say, okay, I gotta take two weeks off. I'm, I'm out of here. And I, I did that for <laughs> probably three years working on the Land of the Living album and, and through that course, my first dance album was born. And, uh, Feel What You Want took off like a rocket and, uh, it started off in the underground being this ginormous hit and then it came across to the United States, to New York and, blew up in, in New York in the underground clubs and then started, you know, it's, it, it's just grown arms and legs. And so it's kind of, it's one of those songs that is, has become a dance anthem and an iconic dance anthem. <laughs> so it gets played to this day everywhere. It's just a house music anthem. And, you know, it was probably one of the first times that, that like an organ patch was used in house music. And uh, they, they would call it Gospel House, which cracked me up because I started out singing in the church. But, to, you know, just putting a different spin on house music, on dance music, um, made that song kind of, a, a, to this day, it, it sounds perfectly fresh, like it was just done yesterday. Um, and just great, great programming. I work with Rolo Armstrong, who's Dido's brother, and uh, and Rob Gugan, who's amazing. So I work with those guys on the whole album. And uh, so I'm... It was a great experience. I mean, I, I knew that I had to leave the U.S. to do the type of music that I wanted to do because they didn't, you know, I didn't feel like people really understood what I was trying to, you know, they want to put you in a box and escape, you know, everything has to sound like whatever's on the radio and, and I wanted to do something different and, and it just connected over there and then ironically connected over here after it connected over there. So so were you initially going for the dance market or were you d didn't expect? Yeah, um, I always was, but every time I would do a record, it would be more of an R&B production in the States. You know, whenever I would work with other people and other production companies, everybody always wanted to go with pop, R&B, you know, like pop funk. Kind of, kind of thing because of my the sound of my voice is funky, but I I just always had a love affair with dance music and I don't know if maybe it's because I'm from the Northwest and that Canadian border and house is huge up in Canada you know that's more of a European thing but I just always like to I'd like to that you know to put the funk in house music I love that that marriage of of 124 BPMs with a funky you know, the, and, and the energy of dance is addicting to me. You know, it kind of mirrors the 120, the beats of your heart, you know, the beat of your, it's, it's, I don't know, to me, it's kind of the heart, you know, the heartbeat of life. Yeah, it definitely, yeah. it definitely, yeah, it that definitely holds some up. merit. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, you know, you think about it, you get up in the morning and you know, your heart's beating at 120, you know, if you go halftime, that's a ballad, it's 60. Um, you know, at 128, that's, that's pumping you up pretty good. Which, by the way, I know your dance, your dance fans, you know, adore you, but they, I don't think a lot of them heard you sing the stuff I heard you sing back in the day, man. You were just, you, you were an R&B diva to me. Oh yeah. R&B diva for real. There's nothing that I could not sing that, that hit on the charts. Nothing. I, you know, we did a Whitney Houston medley. We did, 
you know, just we did all of the singers that nobody else would sing because those, those songs are really, really hard to sing. And if you don't sound pretty much like the artist, you know, you're going to get ashtrays thrown at you. So, you know, we did Chaka Khan. We did all the stuff that other people in town would not touch, um, you know, because they couldn't sing them. So, you know, I was just blessed with a with a big voice and with, a you know, that whole R&B thing. And I grew up in an area where... I was immersed in it in Eastern Washington, and um, you know, I had a, a, a you know, I, I, my best friend was black, and and uh, you know, and I used to go over to the Morning Star Church and listen to all the gospel music, and I'd trade out and be a soloist over there and sing for them, and just uh, you know, we were just I was immersed in it, and I just I loved the whole funky R&B thing but I think my great love was uh was Donna what was Donna Summer was doing it when I was a little kid I just heard her and the, the way she married a dance beat with uh you know with with funk it just, it just was over the top for me I love the energy of it and I remember like mm-hmm. I remember back in the Vegas days the only two two female singers I would go watch were you and Diane and then, of course, later on, mm-hmm. I ended up playing with Diane for a while um, as a percussionist vocalist. Yeah, the, you got yeah. you two guys were by far the most powerful voices in town. There's no question. <laughs> Yay, Diane! I love her. Yeah, we used to trade back musicians all the time. You know, some people would go to her band, and then he'd come back to my band and go back to her band, and you know, because <laughs> the musicians are always moving around. You know, <laughs> so yeah, it was great. It was definitely a family vibe. Yeah, especially in Vegas. (laughs) Yeah, especially in Vegas. Small town, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. Well, I mean, now it's big, but you know, it's but you know, still it's small because um, I think the real people there's 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 a lot of posers, but the real people there's there's not that many that are really amazing players and musicians and stuff. So you know what I mean. A lot of people come and go. It's very transient, but the ones that can survive and have a career, it's very few and far between. It's very tough. I actually went right before I left um, to come back to New York. I went back and played at the um, um, Palace Station with a a really cool, really cool girl singer named Jessica Mangione. Do you know her? No. Very cool. She's another little powerhouse. And her family oh, sings right. all over Palm Springs. They're a va- very uh, famous singing family in Palm Springs called the Avaros. And uh, she, I went back to play there. So she's starting to get make a little headway there. And, of course, you know, they've closed most of the lounges and the venues there where we used to play. And, and it's kind of a it's kind of more of a DJ town these days. Yeah, yeah. But I do think that they're – I think they're going to start putting more live music in town. I just – I've been kind of part of a coalition to get that happening. So there's things in the work. So, uh, you know, just, well, then I love you even more. (laughs) Oh yeah. Cause it needs to be done. I'm, I'm always, uh, I'm a soldier for live music. So I'm always, I'm always in the background, um, working on things. So never fear. I never stop on all that. (laughs) Always got that little, always got that bowl mixed in over there. Do you ever so, do any? Yeah. Do you ever do any performances in Vegas at all these days, or no? Um, not not now, but I probably will. I've got some some ideas for um, some things that I want to do. At the moment, I just have to concentrate on this album getting out because we put three years of work into it, and there's a lot of people involved in it, and it we need to 
get it out there. No pun intended. That's the latest hit on the album. But um, uh, yeah, you know, you kind of got to focus because if you, you know, if you don't, if you don't go all in on some of these things, you can get dissuaded and you don't, you know, you don't do a good job on any one thing because you're throwing stuff around too many places. So I found that I need to focus. <laughs> to make things happen so right now my focus is getting the next single out the video out and the album out so people can have a fun summer enjoying that music well you know what i really appreciate you being on the show with me i i, I really do i'm trying to kick start and and get artists on the west coast and the east coast to you know um be aware that um they're out there and there's some great ones and Otherwise, they There's would have that never. Phrase again, out there. Yeah, they're out there, and and I want. I, that that's right. I want to. I want to. I want to let them make them aware of each other because there are some really great ones, and you know as well as I do in Vegas, there are an abundance of people that are just oh, so wonderful, talented. Wonderful musicians here. Oh my gosh, so talented. Great dancers. Are you kidding? Just there's just amazing people here and just great great talent. And you know I've I've been really blessed. I, my dancers, you know, Sean Dean, he's you know, he's a staple here, biggest King Palm Springs. He worked, has worked with everybody. He's taught everybody hip hop. And, um, you know, uh, Jeffrey DeBerethy, he's, um, here in the show at Planet Hollywood. Um, and he's with Charo uh, too, wasn't he? With my friend Patrick. Oh, yeah. So he, you know, Jeffrey, he's, he's, he's a dynamite. He's like a triple threat. He's a great dancer. He's a great stylist. He's, he can sing. I mean, he can do anything. And, you know, those guys are, those are my right and left arms, so we're always masterminding new things to do. <laughs> so, and you'll see them in the Out There video. They're in, they're in the um, in the music video for Out There, and um, it's a cool video, really cool video. Why don't you go ahead and plug the website real quick? Okay, I'm Christine W, and my website is christinew.com. You can go to my YouTube channel, you can go to my Facebook. Um, my record label is called Fly Again Music Productions, but you know, and sometimes it's listed as flag and uh, music label. I'm with the Ordered for Digital Distribution Worldwide, so you can get my music on iTunes and pretty much everywhere. If you go to my website, you can buy direct from Bandcamp, and we, we actually manufacture physical CDs of most of my um, my music because I do have a, a big fan base of collectors that love to collect the CDs. So um, I think I'm one of the few artists that still press up CDs, but it's a fun thing, and we have a fan club, and there's a whole bunch of people that just collect CDs from different artists, not just myself, but other artists, so we, we're doing that, and we're probably going to press vinyl on this new album, so we've got that in the works, and we'll be out there doing lots of shows. I just found out I think I'm doing Washington, D.C. I just got that phone call yesterday, and just, you know, so we're in the works putting shows together for the summer, so we'll... Well, if you're in Washington, D.C., I'm going to come and see you because I'm close. Yay. Where are you at now? I'm in New York City. New York City. Oh, I love it. We okay. broadcast from New York City, different locations every week. and um, Okay. So I'm, I'm trying to keep it interesting. And I I, I am I want you to take us out with the your song out there and announce this song, where it was recorded, uh, who's on it, and who programmed. Let's, let's get, get plugs to them, too. Okay. Um, this is um, this is my song out there, and it's a Billboard hit. It's currently number ten in the club charts and the mainstream uh, cl uh, charts over in London. 
and in the Europe, in the whole European uh, area there, Ireland, Wales, um, London, up into Liverpool. So it's, uh, I'm very proud of it. And it was uh, produced by Hans Milan, who works with Tiesto, and DJ Caspa, who also works with Tiesto. And there's mixes by Giuseppe B and DJ Q and um, Chico, Dirty White Boy, uh, he's from the East Coast too. Um, David Penn, Kenny Hectic's mix is blowing up over in Europe right now. So is David Penn's and there's many others. So, but anyway, this is a song about getting out there and finding, uh, finding what makes you, uh, what, what, uh, fuels your spirit. So here it is out there. Love you guys. I love you, Christine. I'll see you soon. Love you too, baby. Thank you, my friend. Bye, honey. Bye bye. Big kiss.
That was a new one from Christine W. entitled Out There. I'd like to thank Christine for being on our show today. Coming at you live from New York City, Jojo Leone. Have a great day. Till next time, everybody. Peace. Well, as promised with me, everybody on the phone with me right now, the talented Mary Sierra, great local artist from the Palm Springs area. Mary, how are you doing this morning? I'm good. Greetings from California desert. And I wanted to do a special shout out for my couple of buy-ins out there. CCS, that's 91. They're listening. Um, and also friends and family. And thank you so much for having me here, Jojo. The yeah, Blue well, Mike Show. Welcome to the Blue Mike Podcast. Uh, as you know, last week we had the great J.P. Delaire, and 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 you're great in your own right, Mary. And uh, let's oh, start start you. out. I was reading a little of your bio, and uh, it said mm-hmm. you pretty much got your start in the Philippines. You were born in the Philippines, is that right? Yes, I was. Uh, my mom, my mom was Filipino, and my dad is uh, Spanish from Spain. Ah. Yeah, I was born there, uh, 1994, when when it all started in. It was pretty interesting how I got started too. Why don't I mean, you tell us tell us a little oh. about that? Yeah. Well, um, well, they were holding this um contest on the radio, and it was like uh, Join Bug Eel, which was a very popular band in the Cordillera or the Mountain Province region. And you know, I didn't think any of it. And one day, um, just all four members of the band. I mean, the Carantes brothers, Ruel. Pops and add on with uh, their bassist JB Balinong uh, just knocked on my door and and I was so surprised because I, I didn't really um, call the station or try to audition but it turned out that they heard from the grapevine that I could sing and they visited me and so um, they asked me to do a few bars from their uh, latest album and um, do harmonizing with them and they hired me on the spot <laughs> so. And and, and, and uh, this group was they were original artists, is that right? They were original artists, and um, they have a unique sound. Um, it, it's called ethnic rock, and it's it's like um, folk rock with a bit of um, ethnic rock, like from the Aborigines of the Philippines. They like to use gongs and stuff in their songs. It's a very very unique uh, sound. Very cool, very cool. I like to hear that. Yeah, very very cool. And then tell us about uh, your pilgrimage to the United States. When did you uh, actually arrive in, in uh, uh, America? <laughs> well, that one is uh, quite a story. Uh, it's actually pretty sad, but, you know, I'm happy that I did make the move. Um, it was not actually planned. Um, right after I joined Buck Eel, not even two years after that, my mom passed away. So um, my dad lived in the U.S., and so he uh, petitioned me and my brothers and that's how I got here, and that was back in 1995 or 96, I, was, I should say. Yeah, that's a bad one, uh, story. But, you know, I could have been influenced by um, depression and loneliness, but I used that time to my advantage and just kind of honed my craft as a songwriter. So I got myself like a, a cheapo um, <laughs> Yamaha and just started banging out songs. And I think that those are the most prolific years as a songwriter. 
Well, I, for one, know that you hone that craft pretty well because I uh, had the uh, opportunity and the pleasure to work with you in Palm Springs. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's such an interesting story, too. Yeah, my, resident, my residency <laughs> at, at Rancho Los Palmas Resort, my resident, residency there for uh, yeah, four years. Yeah, that, that was a fabulous place. And, man, uh, when I heard you saying the first time, I was like, dang, this guy is good, you know, and I was blown away. But uh, we didn't actually meet at Rancho Las Palmas, I recall. Um, I no. was, I believe we, we met at the Village Pub. Yeah, um, I, was, I was actually, um, I was going to see Dark Sunday, and you were playing a gig with them. <laughs> and that was, right. a, that was a, 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 a band, a predominantly Filipino band. Uh, right. <laughs> with Leo, Leo Mercedes, another buddy of mine, great, uh, Ed, just a great Ed singer. Edwin Pasqual. Oh, um, yeah, man. Mike. Gonzaga and actually Dave David Anderson was the drummer. Yeah, and yes, oh he was God. he was great too. And truth be told, that was probably one of the only bands I would actually go out and out of my way to go see. <laughs> it was like a was it a a, a Monday night or was, it was a Monday or Sunday? They played Sundays, right? Um, no, I believe. Uh, we, well, we played when I joined Dark Sunday. We had a four night uh, a week gig, so it started Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday or something like that. Yeah. Nevertheless, though, I I I walked in and there you were. You were singing uh, "Ain't Nobody," I think it was by Chaka Khan. <laughs> and uh, I was like, <laughs> "Oh my goodness, we got to sign this girl on." Oh my god. And then we did. Yeah, I approached, and, then I, and then you came in again. You came in one night uh, with someone. And I watched you. And you watched I me. Did. I was playing with uh, Sammy yeah. Canzona and Tony Patler. And right. you know, Tony Patler, he was with Chaka Khan <laughs> and a lot of people for a long time. And uh, Tony was with a lot of great people, and he was playing with me, and we got you up on stage. I can't remember. What, I think you sang like, if I'm correct, <laughs> I we think sang, I'm right. I think it. No, it we was sang. it was simply red. Oh, that's right. Um, <laughs> holding back, yeah, holding back the years. Yeah, yeah I remember. I remember yeah. that. Wow, that's something. <laughs> so now, when, when I was so nervous. <laughs> yeah. So now, when you 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 uh you got to the United States. How did you find the music scene here as compared to the Philippines? Was it a, a, a big cultural difference in music? Did musicians do things the same way? Or was it, I, you know, I know music is a universal language, but, you know, I mean, uh, you know, it's like some of the way things are set up with bands here, are probably a little different than there, right? Well, actually, um, they're pretty much the same, uh, especially the cover bands. They have like a, a lineup of songs that is like a standard. So you can just kind of sit in for anybody that needs, you know, a, a singer or a drummer, you know, pretty much like here. So they have like a set, um, like a set list that uh, anyone can just kind of jump in and play. So, yeah, but then the music scene there is very saturated. I mean, I think that in New York it is also, or L.A., but in the desert it's, it's a little different. I mean, there's still a lot of um, audience here. So I'm lucky in that sense, but I had to actively um, join in to the music business here. I had to form my own band, Julian's Lunchbox, and, you know, the <laughs> my first members are Jojo Malagar and uh, Rowan Pacoma, who are now... Uh, very successful musicians for um, fifth, uh, I think it's the fifth circle or circle of fifth is what they're called now. Yeah, and then of course I I enjoyed playing with you, uh, duos. I think you kind of um, kind of uh, helped me get out of my shell a little bit for my 
performances. So. Yeah, and, that, I, and I had, and I had, I had. Oh, you're very welcome, Mary. And, and if I could influence anybody, of course, I'm, I'm very happy I did that. But um, this is about you right now. And actually, JoJo and Brittany, <laughs> at, like yourself, I also brought in with me to uh, Rancho Los Palmas Resort uh, at different oh, times. Yeah. At different times, I don't think they knew each other yet. And I had JoJo <laughs> with me for a few weeks at a time. I had Brittany with me. Uh, a few weeks right. at a time, and uh, two great performers as well. But you know what I always loved in Vegas about playing with the Filipino um, entertainers mm-hmm. is that I always had this thing where I try to do the voice as close as I can get it on the record, mm-hmm. and and right. they they did the same thing, and we used to have some killer vocals. <laughs> Our vocals matched right. up so great. So every time I used to play with my Filipino friends, like uh, you know, and and all the people I knew, like Ricky B and those guys. I, I mm-hmm. love just listening to them because they, they would capture the, the essence of the, the original performance, which is good in, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, unless you're doing original music, of course. But it's, um, it, it was so great to play with them. And is that something that, like, in the Philippines, a lot of artists, a lot of uh, cover bands try to get that sound, and they're just unbelievable mimics. I mean, it's amazing. It's like I, Right. You know... <laughs> It's funny that you mentioned that. Yes, it is. Um, Filipinos are known for that. And um, what's, uh, what's interesting is uh, when I sing my uh, live covers, I sound like a soulful, you know, person, diva-ish. <laughs> but when I do my own original songs, I, I sound like a totally different person. You do. You do. You have that Paramore <laughs> kind of Paramore and, and, and bands <laughs> right. like that. Yeah, for some reason, I don't know. Um, but I do know my own sound. But in case someone throws in, you know, oh, do this, Aletta Adams for me, or you know, like you, you just threw, hey, do piano in the dark, and I'm like, uh, okay, I think I can do it. <laughs> so I was I listening. I was listening. I was listening to the. Uh, I was listening to the MP3s that you sent me, and I'm going, that's that's <laughs> really unique stuff. Um, unique stuff for Mary because I'm I'm used to hearing you powerhouse out like you know Whitney Houston and and Shaka right. Khan and and I'm like wow Mary could really really take that artist thing to the next level that was really great stuff and of course I'm going to place play some of it I played some up front uh in the beginning of the show little samples and I did one tune and then uh and when 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 we're done with this interview I'm going to play a couple more and um oh, and who are you playing with right now in Palm Springs um you know, I play um, I play with Damer Moses a lot, but um, you know that guy just introduced me to the seasoned artists, you know, legends of the desert, and you know, just very very good seasoned musicians like uh, Steve Alanis, who I absolutely love. And um, basically, we do a duo, but then when we do big shows, then this this is when he you know introduces musicians from all over. I mean, we have um, people coming in from Las Vegas, from LA to join us. So it's pretty interesting, but we do uh, private gigs a lot, like uh, country clubs. That's where where we usually perform. Like uh, this coming week, I have an Indian Ridge uh, engagement. And um, I think next month we will be, we will be at the Bermuda Dunes Country Club. And I perform with him also at the Cafe de Bozar every Wednesday. And where is that? Tell everybody where that is. Oh, that's on El Paseo. Um, And it's it's a French restaurant. And I perform uh, with Damer, but we alternate with um, Brigitte. 
I don't know if you know Brigitte. Of course, I know Brigitte's a dear oh, friend of mine. she's adorable. I played yeah, with she's... I played with Brigitte uh, with Steve Medeo and uh, Jerry right. uh, Barrow. Celine Dion of the Desert. Yeah. yeah, and also she was in the Legends show in Las Vegas, and she still does the Legends I know, show. Yeah, yeah. I've seen some YouTube videos of her, and I was like, oh my goodness, that's that Brigitte, that's Celine. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah and, she's really good. And now we were talking about Leo a few minutes ago. I remember you did that song with him. It was like oh. a duet, right? Yeah, I I did a duet with him, which we uh, actually recorded. Um, it's uh, it's a ballad, but I don't know if anyone knows this about Leo, but Leo is a uh, aside from being a phenomenal performer, he is a brilliant arranger and producer. So um, my song "It's All Right," um, he produced that one for me. And he has he has this, this like a knack um, that he can read your mind as a musician, and he'll you know because I I came to him with this basic uh, lyric and and chord thing, and then he just made magic from it. So yeah, I adore Leo. <laughs> so uh, uh, what nights are you at this uh, French restaurant? So let everybody know in case they're in the Palm Springs area. You must see Mary Sierra, just a great, oh, brilliant, yeah, guys. brilliant singer. It's- well, thank you. I miss playing with you, uh, Jojo. I and know. I, I see you. Yeah, you're incredible. But, uh, yeah, if, you, if anyone is in the area, just check us out on El Paseo, Wednesdays from 6 to 9. Now, Mary, are you recording anything new? Um, you have anything new that you're working on that you want to? <laughs> I'm always recording something new. And, um, and you know, this just a little bit about me is um, – I like collaborating with musicians, so they would send me material. Um, I'll, I'll write a hook for a rap song or, you know, or just collaborate on a song. I'll do the lyrics for them if they're feeling stuck. So I have those in the queue also. So, yeah, I'm constantly creating, and which is, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, we mentioned, are those songs available on a CD, um, the ones we um, I'm working and- on a CD. Yes, um, pretty soon, pretty soon. It, it's just in the works right now. Um, the production side is a little tricky, but the material's already made. It's just you know uh, putting the finishing touches on it. You have any any available any available for download? I should have asked. I, I keep I keep harping on that CD thing, but that's a little dated now, isn't it? People don't really have. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yes, I'm actually putting up a uh, a store on Amazon and. Um, and also, I Reverb Nation. I'm there, and SoundCloud also. And yep. just type in Mari Sierra or Julian's Lunchbox, and you'll find me. And yes, yeah, so tell us about the Julian Julian's Lunchbox things. Because when I met you, you were, I did a, I did a couple of gigs with you guys. It was uh, Earl on guitar, right, Earl? Yeah. Well, Earl was an addition, but he wasn't an, an original uh, member. But yeah, Earl uh, after. Uh, Jojo and uh, Rowan, um, I, you know, I kind of invited Earl to be my guitarist, and we did a lot of duos before. But Julian's Lunchbox, the the name originated uh, because we were uh, we were practicing on the street called Julian, and it's where Rowan lives, and we practice there all the time. And then the Lunchbox thing is, you know, if you you don't know what a Lunchbox contains until you actually open it so you know we, we thought it was kind of cute to call it julian's lunchbox <laughs> i always thought that was a yeah. great great name i love that name 
Well, thank you. <laughs> now you got to you must keep us informed of anything going on with you, and of course I'll always oh, plug it here you. on the show, and and the show will get out. And again, the premise of this show is to bring uh, great artists and musicians uh, together who uh, perhaps um, would never have crossed cross paths in the you know in, in any point. So I just want to make right. sure that it happens because there's so many brilliant people I've met in my travels and all the cities that and and I think they should hear each other and and meet and and I think it's just a great way to do it and and I, I hope to gather mm-hmm. some regular listeners too some people who are just music enthusiasts and maybe not musicians oh for sure mostly Filipinos maybe <laughs> yeah and reaching out to the Filipino yeah. crowd is a great thing man very loyal music fans right. Yes, they love music. They live and breathe music and food and karaoke. And lumpia. Anyway. Got to get that lumpia. Lumpia. <laughs> oh, lumpia and adobo and sunset. Yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, but I also want to, to take this opportunity to, like, really congratulate you on this effort, you know, the show that you're putting up. And, you know, sincerely thank you for helping musicians like me that like, would never – you know, just normally get exposure. You know, you're doing the music industry such a great, you know, a help in a big hand. So I can commend you for that. So kudos. Thank, Thank you me. so much. And I'm certainly in a big enough market in New York City, you know, and uh, I'm I know. A, it's going to get out to a lot of people eventually. You know, our first, uh, I had two podcasts uh, prior to the last week's, which were uh, an introduction to the host, which was me. And then I'm doing also a uh, a gentleman of smooth jazz R&B show, which just I play music yes. and explain those yes. artists, and a lot of them are, are kind of obscure and and not in the mainstream. <laughs> and so I'm doing those shows. I had two podcasts prior to that, but this you're my second interview, and the first oh, one I'm so honored. The first one went so well. We actually accrued uh, 340 um, plays on YouTube hits nice. in, in a day and a half. So it's going well. Congratulations. And yeah, I listened to that podcast and it's amazing. You know, you did a really good job. And um, yeah, I, I love seeing, uh, listening to, to new artists. You know, you, it's, it's hard to, to kind of immerse yourself in the scene when you're like me. You were busy working and stuff like that. But it's refreshing to hear new artists all in one place. So I really, really enjoy your, your first uh, podcast. Keep it up. <laughs> well, Nari, I'm sure we're going to get as many listeners uh, on this one with you because, like I said, you're an amazing vocalist. Well, now, um, now you know, stay tuned, everybody. Also, next uh, next podcast will be uh, the amazing Christine W., um, one of the top-selling dance artists of all time. Um, so, so stay tuned for that one next week. Mary, thank you for being on my show. Thank I really you. appreciate it. You're my friend and 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 a great oh. and a great talent. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone. And have a have a great day. <laughs> All right. All right, Jojo with you. This is, uh, we got more coming up right now from Mary Ciara. Uh, we're going to play a couple of more tunes. And then I'll take you out from New York City. Jojo Leone, Blue Mike Podcast. Bye-bye, everyone.